Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. And yes, I'm amazing. We're getting back into MMA talk, folks. Um, with me, as always, DJ Mark. What's up? Also with me, Kid Presentable. Hey, hey. Also joining us, Lavender Gooms. Greetings, guys. Um, just real quickly, yeah, we're getting into MMA again, folks. Uh, looks like there's a fight card happening this Saturday. I say looks like because... We don't fucking know, but it looks like this is going to stick, actually. Um, and it turns out um, we are a more listener-friendly podcast when we're talking about MMA somehow. Mike astutely put it out uh, put it a few weeks ago where he says, who knew people liked hearing our opinion about MMA? Um, so we'll see if that still holds true. Um, we really have talked about, I think, a few times, Marcus, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we really brought up how our feelings of whether there should be any fight cards um at this point though it's probably just we're just you know they're happening so we're gonna do our best just to cover them for the fans right i it's been a couple weeks i guess now we're just ready to do it i i I don't know it it still seems a little weird because not everything else has returned but some of things are right like this isn't the only thing that's kind of happening in florida yeah that's the common denominator without getting too far into it i guess yeah (laughs) kind of like that makes it a little less weird like it's not only them because is it wrestling and then isn't there nascar or something i don't know wrestling's happening they they pretty much said they're open for business for any national sport so uh, national being that you have a national tv contract so long as you don't Mm. have a uh, crowd for now okay so so i guess that somewhat normalizes it but it still feels a little weird but it's it's a banger of a card yeah um in a world where they're trying to convince us to pay 65 dollars when there's no real easy way to uh split these with your friends the pay-per-view costs um yeah they really tried i guess um it's what happens when everybody wants to get a fucking paycheck and the ufc doesn't want to pay a stipend but i digress coming to you from the vice star veterans memorial arena mike real quick what's vice star What would I know? I don't know. I don't know either. I was hoping you know. Stefan, do you know what a Vi- what Vistar is? <laughs> nah, if fun facts Mike don't got it, none of us know what Vistar is. That's true. Mike's real good for the obscure, Mike. You are the best bet we had here. Um <laughs> Even that's too obscure. Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena, which has a, a capacity of maybe fifteen thousand people, but in this case about twenty-three. Um empty crowd. Um still don't know what the fuck Vistar is. Anyway, um, we are, yeah, UFC's going to Florida for this card, headlined by a interim lightweight title fight between uh, Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson. It's an interim title because here we are. Um, I learned Mike, what Vistar was. <laughs> I have an update on Vistar. Oh, you it guys both looked at I mean, as I, as I, it was really actually, as I thought of it, it really was only going to be one of three things. Um, as a fan of European soccer slash football, uh, it's the same companies that do. You're either a, a gambling website, an insurance company, or what Vistar is, a credit union. Yep. You're and all financial. In Northeast Florida, so right in the Jacksonville area. I was going to say, that's on brand. That's good to know. Um yeah, uh, we're doing an interim title fight between Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. We're not getting that Khabib fight. Also, I think it's Ramadan or close to Ramadan. I don't know. Um, despite being Persian, I don't know these things. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have another fake belt. Why not? Um, co-main event, Henry Cejudo defending his title against defending, defending his bantamweight title against uh, Dominic Cruz. Um, though I think Henry might still technically be the flyweight champion. Right, because the other guy missed weight by a lot and then uh, beat yeah. Joseph. I don't think there's I, either there isn't a flyweight champion or it's Henry. It's vacant. Um, it's probably vacant. Uh, Dominic Cruz fighting for the first time since he lost the bantamweight title um, to Cody Garbrandt maybe three and a half years ago, I think. Ballpark. Um, honestly, just a loaded card. Um, we're gonna pick eight fights actually um, because at least that many deserved our attention. 
So we're just going to get right into it. Um, we'll get through the other. We'll obviously name the rest of the card as we go through, but two title fights lead this thing off. Um, y'all don't need the history of Tony Ferguson getting to this fight. Um, Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson. I mean, Marcus, I think when they first said they were trying to do this, we were like, this sounds like a, just a good time. So, um, Stefan, the betting odds for this one? Um, you kind of mentioned it when we were coming on. You thought Gaethje would be a bigger underdog, but it's relatively close with uh, Tony as a minus one seven minus one seventy favorite to Gaethje's plus one fifty underdog. Only one and a half. All right, Marcus, uh, how's this one go? And please factor in the fact that uh, the winner of this is going to fight Khabib allegedly, and we do know we're all in a global pandemic, and that is the fifth time we've lost Khabib and to and Tony. So. When you're deciding, tell me if you really think we're going to have Tony coming out of this to fight Khabib. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is a really interesting, fun matchup, and I think it is difficult to call, and I'm not too surprised that the line is pretty close uh, because, well, Tony Ferguson you know, has been putting in a lot of great work and is completely deserving of this spot fighting for the title in term or otherwise. Uh, so is Gaethje, and personally, I've been really, really impressed with just how much Gaethje has improved in his last couple fights just not getting in these big wars where they're back and forth and he's taking a lot of punishment and just getting in and out of those fights very quickly, you know, finishing his opponents, you know, in record time uh, and getting out of there. Um, I'm actually picking Justin because of that. Um, and because we all know that Tony's fight, he does fight a little bit loose, especially in that first round and, and, and often ends up getting hurt, getting caught with something big. Uh, you know, one of his biggest factors is being able to take those shots and keep going. Um, and I think with Gaethje, that might be might be just a little too much this time. Um, I still hope it'll be a war, uh, but I like this this new Justin Gaethje that has stopped having the back and forth and the I'm going to take one to give one and has just been giving one and winning the fight. Um, I think it's going to be tough to just take Tony out in the first round, but if he can do a lot of damage, that might severely slow him down and compromise his game. So I think it'll be great. It, it's, it's a fantastic matchup. It's really unfortunate that the Habib fight still hasn't happened with him and Tony, but I think uh, Justin Gaethje is a fantastic replacement. And I think this will be an awesome matchup. And, you know, whoever does come out of this fighting Habib is still a very intriguing matchup. You know, if Tony is able to get past uh, Gaethje or vice versa, um, you know, having Habib at the end of the tunnel is, you know, still makes this compelling in its own right, because it's going to lead to another hopefully compelling fight if we ever get it. But super close. Yeah, but I got Gaethje. I really didn't see that coming, man. Wow. First fight out of the book. Mark picking against Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson to lose his first fight since, I don't know if anybody has Tony's record in front of them. We have to answer this more quickly, but Tony hasn't lost a fight since May of 2012. Um, that being said, I thought I was going to be the one picking Justin Gaethje here. I'm a big Justin Gaethje, Mark. You guys all know that. And honestly, the circumstances are so weird or weird around this fight, Mark, that I'm like, yeah, okay. He could pull this off. I'll, you know, and Gaethje's really looked great recently. So yeah, I don't want to say the same shit you did. I got Gaethje. Um, Stefan, um, you'll be making Tony Ferguson's side, or are you joining me and Mark and picking the upset? Um, I do totally understand where you guys are coming from. I think Mark said it perfectly right. Tony gets cracked in every one of his fights. Every damn one. All, all of them, <laughs> and the, these are the heaviest hands that he's going to get cracked by. So um, I absolutely can see it. Um, I could be wrong. Is this the first time Crazy Tony is fighting since he went full Crazy Tony? Um, uh, I think he came back Oh, well, after the whole when we all got real uncomfortable, the situation. Yeah, yeah oh, Tony's had some, no, he's had no, some he fought. Uh, he, he came back and fought Anthony Pettis and Cerrone. I think he's had two fights, I think. Okay. I think it was, so, I think yeah, somewhere there. Further back. Um, that said, um, I'm totally with you, uh, I mean, guys, in terms of uh, seeing Justin's chances. Um, as bad of a matchup as Connor would have been for Gaethje. Gaethje's one of Tony's best matchups, oddly enough. Um, but I'm going to stick with Tony. Um, yeah. Eight-year uh, win streak, man. Hard to pick against it. <laughs> it's He's just really good, right? There's been a lot of guys who we say are like a B, B-plus across the board types. You know, you're Kenny Florians, right, who you're just really solid. Mm -hmm. You know, they really short. But, like, Tony is that evolution where he's kind of like A, A-minus across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, I, You know, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. We don't see Gaethje's wrestling background come into a play, but I have to think grappling is how Tony wins this, whether it's a slick transition um, or like, you know, a trip when, you know, if Gaethje commits big on a punch or something, because I don't love it standing if he, he keeps it there. Um, I think but, Tony's legs are going to get kicked, right, Steph? Probably. Tony's legs are going to get chopped up a bit here in this one. <laughs> uh, that's when Gaethje's at his best. But like Aldo, we've seen him get away from it. We've seen him get a little headhunty. You know, who, who's to say how 
you know, his game plan was definitely better in his last couple of fights, but you know, it's what you hope to see if he's performing at his optimum. But I think like you kind of said, the wild card, it also is, we don't know who's at their optimum. Um, we can't imagine these are the best versions of the, these guys facing each other. So, um, and these are the two guys who've known most likely they're going to be fighting for the longest amount of time, even so like these two in terms of this entire card. Mm-hmm. But, um, I like Tony as his momentum, but, um, I'd be perfectly happy with the just. I'm picking officially Tony. I like it, but um, I'd be happy with the Justin win just because it further cements the snake bitten. Um, I long ordained it. I refuse to entertain it. Habib and Tony is never happening. Um, Mike, your pick. Yeah, so before the podcast, Bobby was talking about that we have no idea what anyone's conditioning is when with, with all of these fighters. And I kind of poo-pooed it. And as I thought about this fight, I thought, man, if there's someone who probably hasn't stopped training at all, and when I say training, I mean probably wrestling anyone anyone who wants to and just saying, who the fuck gets corona? Only weak people get corona. I would say that would probably be Tony Ferguson. So I think of all of the people on this card, he is probably the one that is the most in fighting shape, um, even more than Justin Gaethje. So... I agree with what Steph said. I think that Tony is going to be able to uh, out-cardio Gaethje, um, even though that's a a tall feat, and also control him with the wrestling. Uh, It is an issue that he does like to get hit, and Gaethje hits pretty hard, but um, I'm going with the guy that hasn't lost in about eight years. I like how it was Tony likes to get hit. He loves it. He loves getting hit. Um, real quickly as we move on, the um, Ferguson-Khabib matchup. That is snake-bitten. Um, I heard a, I forgot who said this, so if someone finds it, please point it out to me. That They, they made the comparison that this is like um, – this fight is kind of like the MMA version of um, – it's might a little bit old for some people. Um, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, how there was always the opportunity, they thought, like, in their prime, we're going to get Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. And it eventually happened a couple, like, maybe four or five years after the, after when it should have been, like, WCW. But it was a thing where people were like, how are we not going to see this matchup? How is it really not going to happen? And obviously in wrestling, you just book the shit and it's going to happen. Um, but there's always, I mean, this is the MMA version of that, where, like, we've had the two, these have been the two best lightweights in the world for... A long fucking time, right? Like, at least, like, without question for the last four years, these have been the two best, probably. And we're just not going to get it. So, one day maybe we might, and we might think, man, what would have been? Because now Khabib's older, or Tony's been hit more. or So, kind of is what it is. Um, And this is going to be a weird one to pick, Mike. UFC 249's co-main event is Henry. This Henry, uh, what's his nickname? I forgot. Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. We have not seen Dominic Cruz fight since he, as I mentioned, since he lost his title to Cody Garbrandt. Um, that was back that was in like three years ago, wasn't it? December twenty, December thirtieth, twenty sixteen. It was the it was at UFC two hundred seven, um, which was when uh, Ronda got her ass whooped by Amanda Nunes. That's how long ago it was. Um, Coming into this fight, the betting odds, Stefan? Uh, Dominic Cruz coming in at plus 185 to minus 225, uh, 2-1 to one favorite for Henry. So I honestly think that this being this close, Steph, and you correct me if you disagree, um, is because people recognize that Dominic Cruz's style, when Dominic Cruz is fighting and active, is difficult for pretty much everybody to deal with. But the way Henry fights um, and giving up size in this division, it's not the easiest matchup for him to find Dominic, just the way Dominic moves. That's just my takeaway looking at the line. Some of it might just be Dominic's general dominance of this weight class on and off, really off for the last 10 years or so. Um, what do you think, man? What do you think we got here? Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough to put a lot of stock in Dominic's movement, Bob, because if you're doing that, you're just picking off of reputation and not reality. Mm. He was slower in his last fight. That is true. His, his movement isn't there. His, you know, his agility is gone, but the dude's had a million foot and leg and knee injuries specifically, like the things that allow him to have agility and movement. So he's definitely lost a step. 
Um, that said, I cannot stand Henry Cejudo and not in a, it's fun, his shtick. I think he's a shitty person. Um, I don't think he's worth promoting. I think every way he goes about promoting himself is wrong. Uh, he, he's the, he's the one guy who saw what fucking, uh, who's your favorite fighter, Bob? And why am I blanking on his name? Cause he's so irrelevant. Um, the welterweight one. <laughs> Come on. I'm, I'm not doing a bit. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, do you mean Colby Covington? There it is. Oh, okay. I was, I was so confused. I'm just like, oh, there's Henry a lot Cejudo of them on this card. is the one man in the world who saw what uh, Colby was doing over there and was like, that's a good move. It's working for him. This is getting him the big money. And Henry's like, I'm going to double down on that. Like, I think you're a shitty person either way. <laughs> so um, I just don't want to see him win. But I think Dominic's super, super compromised. But if there's a guy who's motivated to try to prove doubters that's been Dominic's whole career path has been trying to prove doubters wrong. So um, hopefully he's got one more in them. So you're taking Dominic. Yeah. So um, I talked about this before, how when Dominic came back the first time, I mean, whatever time it was when he fought uh, uh, TJ, Jesus Christ, guys, we haven't talked MMA in six weeks and we're forgetting everybody's fucking name. Um, since when Dominic fought TJ and beat him, I was getting, like, emotionally invested in that shit halfway through where I was just pretty much in awe of the man's ability to come back. And now it's been a bunch of years, and he's got a whole new batch of problems, and his uh, he's got uh, plantar fasciitis in his feet, which, if you're a basketball fan, you know that's, like, that fucking thing that takes out big men, normally big, tall guys. Um, in Dominic's case, dude just has shitty luck, man. He's got the, the number... This guy came in as a champion in this weight class, and... When they folded into WEC and just, he could have had such a better career. But here he is, I guess, still fighting for the belt. Um, yeah, Henry Cejudo's shtick. I was digging at first to some of the stuff he was doing, but yeah, it got really on. It really just got shitty. That's a good description. Stefan went with shitty. Um, yeah, at this point though, I just, I'm. A, this is of all the times I'm just kind of bummed that we didn't have an opportunity for Dominic to shit talk Henry Cejudo more. Uh, it would have been fun to listen to. I'm going to take Dominic, too. Fuck it, man. I don't know. The guys have fought in three years. Henry missed weight a bunch back in the day. I don't know how much how in shape he is. It's a close betting line, and I think it'd be really cool to see if Dominic can pull this off. In a situation, he absolutely does not deserve, the t- deserve a title shot, and Aljamain Sterling got royally fucked. Just want to point that out. Mike? <laughs> you guys are really uh, really betting with your hearts uh, on, on this one, aren't you? Dude, we're just gonna, we don't even know this is going to happen. What the hell? <laughs> Let's just... Well, if it does happen, I'm going to go with Henry Cejudo. Yeah, he missed weight very early in his career, and he's kind of an ass publicly, but he's gotten better with each fight. He's, made he's got two belts. Shit. Since his last... Well, we don't know if he has two belts, uh... We don't know if that belt is vacant. Yeah, no one took his other belt yet, but we know that much. No one else is the new owner. <laughs> uh, since his last loss to to, to DJ, um, God knows how long ago that was at this point, maybe three, four years ago, um, he's looked better with each fight, and also he has had the ad- added bonus above Dominic that he's actually fought in, in the last two to three years. Uh who knows what the hell Dominic Cruz is going to look like when he gets into that ring. I like Dominic. I think he's a great person to have as champion, but I'm rolling with what What the hell is the guy that three years ago looked like he had lost a step going to look like now? That's fair. Marcus, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm also going with Henry. Uh, I do think this is stylistically a very difficult matchup. I think Dominic... Um, presents a lot of problems for everyone in the division, kind of like what Bob was saying before. Um, I imagine this fight's going to the decision. I imagine that it might not be the most exciting fight of the evening. Um, and I think Henry might be able to get it done uh, just because I think he'll be able to steal a couple rounds here and there, just getting some clinch takedowns. Um, I think a lot of this fight is going to be Henry chasing Dominic um, and Dominic, you know, getting out of the way, avoiding shots and picking his own like he's done. Um, which in and of itself results in a lot of close decisions. I think just the way he fights, um, that result comes up quite often. Uh, and I think if Henry can, you know, wrestle him to the ground a, a couple rounds, that will cement those rounds for him and give him a, a decent chance at getting a decision. But I do think it'll be extremely close. I think it might be slightly not super eventful. Um, and I think maybe if Henry is able to get some takedowns, he can steal some rounds and get the decision that way. But I think it is going to be very close. And, you know, I would not be surprised 
Dominic has come back from long layoffs and looks spectacular. So I'm not going to be, I wouldn't be too surprised if he hasn't, you know, really missed much of a beat, a skip. But at the same time, they, you know, often they say in, in combat sports, you know, the, the last thing a fighter loses is power. Speed is usually a thing that's first to go because the ligaments need to be sharp and strong for you to get that spring off your foot. And with all the knee and feet problems that in, in his whole strategy being centralized around his movement, um, he could be compromised. We don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But uh, it, it's a really close matchup. It was Dominic who coined the whole uh, ring rust is a myth thing, right? He really backed yeah. himself into a corner with that one. I mean, it, in his defense, he pulled it off the first time. He did, so. he did right? So, um, yeah, it won't be an excuse if he loses. Man, I think really think like he he gets a couple rounds early just based on his the way his his pace he puts on do on on people. Henry's the kind of guy who gets frustrated, so we'll see. I don't know. This one's yeah. Mark's right. If this happens, I know we I picked it to happen, and so did you, Steph. But if I mean, we were not going to be shocked. This line is close-ish for a reason. Um. Now that we got past the two title fights, um, we're going to get into some really random-ass fights they put together, so our analysis is going to be probably a little shortened. Um, I swear to God, some of these have happened before. So please, someone, when you see somebody, hear some of these fights. There's names, a couple of rematches. Oh, or there are? One. Okay. At least I one. Think, yeah, that Cerrone and Pettis one is the one where I'm like, I definitely yes, saw that Pettis. Before. I definitely saw Pettis kick him in the gut, I think. Oh, that's definitely something that happened. All right. Um, Francis Ngannou versus Yarzinho Rosenstruik, a.k.a. Biggie boy. Um, yeah, this is just, um, um, this is going to be funny really to me, but this is like, you know, like as Biggie from the New Day said, big meaty men's, you know, slapping meat here. These are just some big motherfuckers. Um, we're just living in a world where the UFC is going to just like eventually give us Francis Ngannou in another title fight. And we're just wondering how many more he has to win for us to get there. Betting odds for this one, I'm imagining is leaning his way, Steph. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and honestly, not enough, in my opinion. Uh, Francis is a minus 275 favorite to, uh, Rosenstrikes plus 235, but they have a common opponent. Um, one of them was a bit of a Hail Mary, and one of them was one of the best knockouts we've ever seen. So, um, my brother's namesake, going with the favorite, Francis. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I feel I'm looking like, Rosenstrokes had a few UFC fights, like when I look, I'm surprised he's had as many as he has. Um, because I don't remember a lot of these. I I still think Francis and is gonna get it done here. Me, I'm I'm in with you on this. Mark. Yeah. Um was it Biggie Boy? Is that what he's going by? That's that's easier his, that's, for me his, to... that's his nickname, the Biggie yeah, Boy. <laughs> I mean, uh the Reem win was huge, but it wasn't like that was a spectacular showcase for him. You know, that was really him losing a fight for five rounds and pulling it out in the last second, which, you know, tip of the cap to you, but that doesn't really like scream confidence that he's gonna be able to weather four rounds in four minutes and 50 seconds of Francis Nugano and, and be able to replicate that. I think Francis will be able to catch him enough early on that the referee will step in. Mike, clean sweep. Mike. Oh, you, you got it? Sorry. Oh, I, uh, I, I thought I was unmuted. We're sweeping it. We're sweeping it. Um, by the way, this is just a side note. If you guys want some good reading, the UFC 249 Wikipedia page like, we have a general idea at this point of how long a Wikipedia page for an MMA event should be. This one's about six times as long. It's been some ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on here. Um, all right. Um, Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Cater. And let me tell you guys, if the UFC needs to put a fight card on within hours, there's a couple people I know they can call who will be down to fucking fight. Donald Cerrone's one of them. Another one is Jeremy goddamn Stevens. All right. Jeremy Stevens looks like one of those people who, like, him being inside this long is affecting his general mental status. So him being able to fight was probably a priority. Um, Calvin Cater, uh, last time we saw him fight is he got uh, got picked apart by Zabit. Actually, no, he put up a decent fight against Zabit. I shouldn't have mischaracterized that. But hasn't fought since uh, November, 2-2 uh, and two in his last four. Stefan, the betting odds for this one? Stefan, you're muted. Um, Calvin coming in as the two to one favorite at minus two twenty five to Jeremy Stevens plus one eighty five underdog. Uh, I should have mentioned Jeremy Stevens. Uh, last time we saw him fight, um, he lost to Yair uh, in a hell of a fight, though. That was the rematch of the first fight where Yair poked him in the eye and then somehow called everybody a bunch of pussies for pointing out that he, yeah, 
That was a real bad. I remember that one. I was also the one where he tried to mean mug Bisping, and Bisping just looked at him and, holy fuck, there's a deer in my front yard. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but Bisping just looked at him like, come on, bro. Uh, you're 140 pounds. Um, yeah, just a, he's a big favorite. I mean, Jeremy Stevens has lost three or four. The other one in there was that no contest with Zabit. Jeremy Stevens, I mean, he's been in the UFC since he was like 13. Um, jokes aside, he showed up at UFC 71 in May of 2007. Um, where he lost to Dean Thomas. He is 33 years old somehow only. Um, but those are, he's got some Shogun miles on him. Calvin Cater is still, uh, relatively young. Um, I mean, and he's only one year younger than Stevens, but the amount of mileage on him is far less. Um, I got to go with the big favorite here in Cater. Mike. Mike. Uh, sorry. Uh, mm. I'm a little rusty. Um, I'm going to go with Cater as well, uh, mainly because, uh, well, Stevens didn't look too well in his last fight. So uh, I'm going with, uh, he's going to continue on with, uh, with that streak. Marcus. Uh, yeah, I'm also going with Calvin. You know, when I first looked at this fight, I was leaning Steven just because of familiarity. Uh, but really just looking at what Calvin has done throughout his career, you know, the losses have been, you know, top tier. Um, and Jeremy has always been, Kind of a journeyman that's had some really high highs, had had some good streaks where it looked like he was getting in title contention, but has always been a guy that has kind of missed the big fight. Um, Calvin looks like he could be one of those guys that is of that upper echelon that Jeremy just hasn't been able to really stay atop of. Um, so it's, I think it's going to be a really difficult fight and a tough fight, but I am going to go with Calvin. Um, Stefan? Yeah, another sweep. It's just uh, more of a mileage issue. Calvin's not nearly as dynamic as Yair is, but he's still a lot fresher. I honestly, I'm, I was like making a joke earlier, but if you told me like they like if they announced this fight with six weeks notice, I'd feel even more confidence about Calvin, just because Jeremy Stevens. I know he, we've seen him take fights on like one week, two week notice before. You know, he's been that guy for the UFC in lower weight classes. Um, the other fight in the main card is Greg Hardy and Jorgen De Castro, which honestly is not. Given the, what you're about to hear is the rest of this prelim card. Probably shouldn't be on the main card. We're picking enough fights. Jorgen doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. We're going to move on. Um, and we generally detest Greg Hardy. Yeah. But, you know, if I at least knew the guy he was fighting, it'd be helpful. Um, Cowboy Cerrone, Anthony Pettis. Uh, we're running it back, brother. Um, the first time this happened was um, in oh, I had a January, January of 2013. Um and if I'm not mistaken, didn't he like he dropped him with the liver kick and like some ground and pound, Marcus? Yeah, that's what that's what it says. And that's what I vaguely remember. <laughs> um, I just remember like, yeah, just like it, he just got keeled over. That was really it with the um, man. Both these guys have gotten older. I'm not even talking about sh like, you know, shell of them former self shit as much as like it's been seven fucking years, man. <laughs> like they've all had a lot of fights. Donald just got knocked out in January. Um when he took on uh, Conor McGregor, uh, Anthony Pettis. Um, last time we saw Anthony Pettis was, um, oh yeah, Carlos Diego Ferreira. Um, that was a real going. That was not going that bad for him, to be honest. Until the goddamn grappler got a hold of him and started going south. Um, Stefan, what do you got in this one? Um, oh, sorry, oh. betting. Apologize, betting odds first. Sure, sure. Um, betting odds. It's a close line, almost a coin flip, minus 130 Anthony Pettis, plus 110 Donald Cerrone. Um, that said, um, history repeats itself here, probably less dynamically. Um, I think both these guys are trending down, but um, you know, I'm pretty anti-Pettis brothers in general at this point, but uh, we talked about mileage with the last guy in Stevens. Cerrone certainly has that in spades as well. You know, I was surprised when I just read this. So when they fought the first time, uh, Anthony was a slight underdog, plus 110 to Cerrone's minus 140. I like seven years later, people are just like, yeah, this shit's probably close. That's, that's where we're at. Um, you took Anthony. I got Anthony also. I'm having a harder and harder time picking Donald in fights. I know Anthony has not been Anthony Pettis lightweight champion for a few years now, but at this point, I got an idea of who he is in this weight class. And the fact that Donald hasn't been able to fight for five months might be the best thing that's happening for him in this whole equation, Mike. But I got to go with Anthony Pettis on this. What do you got in this? <laughs> yeah, Donald right now is currently riding a three-loss, uh, a, th a three, 
three fight losing streak. I'm going with Anthony as well. Um, they're both on the down downward slope of their careers. It's just a matter of whose slope is a little, either a little or a lot steeper. And I'm going with Cerrone on this one. So uh, I'm going with uh, Pretty Tony. All right, Marcus. Yo, you, wait, you just said you're taking Cerrone. Then you said Pretty Tony. All right, no, I mean that his slope of downward, uh, you know, downward slope is more than Pettis's. So that's what I meant. So. Okay, so three so far for Anthony Pettis. Marcus, you have an opportunity here to pick uh, Cerrone and get a leg up on all of us if you think that's how this goes. Yeah, and I don't, unfortunately. Um, I also well, goddamn! Think, <laughs> we have a sweep Pettis. on this fight. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I've always just thought generally Anthony Pettis has just been a little bit more, like you guys have said multiple times throughout this analysis, slicker, right? I just think his stand-up can be a little slicker. He can kind of slot moves in a little bit easier. His his ground game, I think, is a little bit better than Cerrone's. Um, I think it, it, it has all the makings, just like it did way back when, of being a really fun fight. I think we, ha- we can have a lot of action here. But I think Cerrone coming out of that last fight and even saying that, like, you know, Cowboy didn't show up, Donald showed up, and it just kind of alludes to what we've always kind of know. Like, mentally, sometimes this guy can kind of break. He can sometimes show up to a fight and not be fully prepared. And it's hard to put a lot of confidence in that type of fighter when you don't know if he's always going to come, you know, ready to, to, to gunsling that day or not. Um, you know, Anthony... More or less, will that guy usually comes up to show? I, and I think he's just a little better than Cerrone. So, got Pettis. All right, clean sweep. Um, now we have coming back from a suspension, um, Fabricio Vicavalo Verdum, um, taking time away from taking money from Chechen warlords, coming back to fight again to take on Alexei Olenek, a fight where I was positive this shit had happened before. Um, doesn't look like it has. Um, betting odds for this one, Stefan. Um, we got Fabrizio as the second biggest favorite on this card. Um, coming in at minus three ten to plus two fifty five for Alexi Olenek. All right, so folks, you're wondering this guy hasn't fought in two years. Olenek fights every three weeks. It looks like how is uh, Fabrizio a favorite? Because let me tell you, folks, let me, you know who's not gonna get fucking Ezekiel choked by Alexi Olenek? It's goddamn Fabrizio Verdum. All right, he's not getting hit with that finisher. It's not happening. Um, he's that big of a favorite for a reason. Olenek is like 150 years old, man. 42. Verdum's probably the same age. I might just be being mean here. 42. Shit, he is. Um, either this way, man has I, so many fights, dude. He's got so many fights. It's like 85, 72 fights he has. Um, I'm gonna take Verdum. I don't like picking this. Uh, picking a guy. I'm picking. I'm just picking all the guys who are like uh, take a giant fucking time off. Um, but yeah, I got Verdum, Mark. <laughs> uh, I think this fight is really intriguing. I think it's mostly interesting to see these guys potentially grapple each other, and I feel like we might not really get to see a lot of that. Um, you know, I have a feeling this fight mo- m- might be mostly standing up in the clinch with either guy really able to take the other one down and just kind of working from there, and Verdum getting kind of a boring decision that way. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I hope uh, Olek can take the fight to the ground and we can see Verdum's guard versus his top game. I think that could be really appealing. I think that's really where the interest in this fight lies because stand-up-wise, I think it's going to be a little sloppy. Um, there's not, I don't think you're going get to get a lot of entertainment out of that, but if we can see these two guys grapple, I think that's really what this fight was made to show, um, and that would be really intriguing, and I don't know how that would go. I think Verdum even off his back, is a little bit more skilled than uh, Oleg uh, is. But you look at the guy's Wikipedia pages and all the fucking gold medals the dude's holding up and all the grappling quest bullshit he's won. Um, that That's why I think this fight could be interesting. Otherwise, I think we're going to get a sloppy stand-up fight where Verdum gets the decision. I mean, sloppy stand-up fight, Steph, but you know how the fight's going to start, right? I mean, you call that sweet, sweet flying kick sloppy, Mark? <laughs> Give it to me every round. Round one, round one, it's Christmas shit. Round three, it's the dude doesn't well, uh, Fabrizio, for, yeah, Steph, Fabrizio Verdum heard all people, people saying too many super kicks in indie wrestling. Verdum's like, fuck that, I'm bringing it to MMA too. <laughs> That's that uh, Liu Kang flying kick that he goes for, that that jump in high kick. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, we, no, also I think- we also haven't seen him in like two years, so you can imagine just how polished that first attack is. <laughs> does it does it classify as a jumping kick if one foot is always touching the ground? Like he just doesn't even get that lift anymore. I think that's just a big boot at a certain point. It's a running big boot. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know why I just have this feeling, but I, since this is basically going to be a sweep here, but uh, I feel like Fabricio is my most likely candidate on this card 
to test positive for COVID-19. Um, <laughs> okay, interesting take. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with steroids, and I'm like, they're not drug testing anybody for steroids. No, no. We, but when we find out that there was a small outbreak, um, when we find patient zero, my bet is going to be on Fabrizio Verdun. Man, isn't Olatic Russian and Russia announced like 100,000 cases in one day today? Like, oh, he's Ukrainian. Oops. Okay. <laughs> God, that was a grim prediction, but I don't think Stefan's wrong. It's the sad part. <laughs> so you got Verdum also. Mike, you were you just said, oh, man, hasn't fought in two years. Uh, are we going to see Verdum win and give us a stupid Verdum face? <laughs> uh, I was just thinking about that stupid Verdum face. I hope he's retired that. I do think that Verdum is going to win. Um, I think he probably takes this to the ground. Um, he's been out for over two years, and he goes to what he's most comfortable with, which I think is going to be his ground game in this case. So I think he has the edge on Olenek there, so I'm going with Fatum. Yeah, clean sweep. But you guys remember there was like a year stretch, maybe a year and a half stretch, where uh, Verdum and Rafael Dos Anjos, when they were training out of King's MMA, just had unlimited stamina? Like, it was just, we're just going to throw for 25 minutes. Unbelievable. I'm not, it, even. I'm not making. I'm not making any accusations, but I remember when he was beating Travis Brown's ass when uh, the first time he did it. I guess was when he pointed down, and then Travis Brown looked down, and then he punched him in the face. That was good. That was that was a good one. That was real fun. <laughs> was that the um, fight where he kipped up? Yeah, he did that shit too. That was that was the first time I ever beat Travis Brown. Was that against Cain Velasquez? No, it was against Travis Brown. Yeah, I remember that because I picked Travis Brown. uh, Fabricio became the goat. He became the goat. Like he beat Fedor. He broke the Fedor record. (laughs) I think we have objective evidence that Fabricio is the heavyweight goat. Um, All right, um, next fight: Carla Esparza, Michelle Waterson. Um, Michelle Waterson, Stefan, coming off of. Really, a number one contender fight she had her and Joanna and Jacek, where she came up short. Now that she was, goes that back. That was called back. A, That was called an offering. That's that's what that was. <laughs> well, you think they were just like Joanna? Let's see if you can still fight in this weight class. <laughs> Look, remember my takeaway from that fight was I'm surprised Joanna didn't beat her up more. Like, yeah, that that was my takeaway from that fight. Why didn't Joanna put her away? She was well, kicking her ass. Betting odds for this one, uh, Stefan, close one. Shit, huh? <laughs> yeah, close fight. Uh, Carla is coming in at minus 160 to Michelle's plus 140. And the last time we saw Carla fight um, was when she took on uh, Alexa Grasso, took a majority of the decision, uh, fight of the night back in Mexico City. She's on a two-fight win streak. Um, yeah, this is... I like, I Look, I'm taking Carla Esparza. And it's you guys know how Carlos Barza wins fights. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen two, for two rounds, probably. Mark, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I also have Carla. Um, I've actually been really impressed. Um, I think she's improved quite a bit, mostly in the stand up. And really, when I say stand up, she has developed a really good, uh, nice right straight, um, and she's used that very effectively in her fights. Um, and I think when you're looking at building your skill set, you know working everything and trying to get your boxing crisper across the board um, can have very small gains. I think just focusing on one technique and drilling it and figuring out when to throw it um, can be really key. I think that's what her camp has done. And I think, you know, when the grappling comes into play here, I think Carla is going to be able to get Watterson down. Um, I think Watterson has a fantastic guard. She's going to be throwing up triangles and arm bars and the like the whole time. And she's going to keep Carla on her toes. But I think that that's somewhere where Carla thrives and she's not going to mind having to fend off some submissions and use some of those opportunities to advance position um, and just get Watterson to work on the bottom. That's obviously where Carla is going to be able to manage her tank the best. That's where she does her best work is on top. Um, it's just going to be able to get Watterson down. And I think she's going to be able to. So I, I think Water, uh, Esparza has a good shot of winning. This he has to be wary of submissions and some of the d- dynamic kicks that Watterson has, but she ferries those pretty well. She'll win the fight. Steph, your girl's fighting. What do you think, man? Uh, she is, um, but she's getting very close to not being an auto pick for me anymore. Um, less to do with her fighting. Um, I'm just, I, co- I kind of talked to you guys about that. I've just been a little disappointed with uh, a lot of statements she's made publicly lately. Um, if she's a mouthpiece for Endeavor, that's disappointing. If these are her true feelings, that's more disappointing. Um, it's going to be a tough fight for her. I think the one upside I see is Carla is not so significantly bigger than her. And that's something that 
Michelle. She's actually shorter than her too. Michelle mm-hmm. struggles a lot with because we've we've brought it up every fight. This isn't her natural weight class. She's usually fighting significantly bigger women. That's why I thought Joanna absolutely should have finished her. Um, and that's usually why she gives up in the grappling game. That's why she can be controlled. Um, you know, there's great pedigree to Carla's game, but um, it's somewhat. I think I, I like to believe, anyways. Watterson will be able to negate it, um, and I kind of see it being a semi-uneventful decision. Um, it's going to come down to those kicks that Mark mentioned for uh, Michelle. She's going to keep the distance, but she doesn't throw big kicks. She throws a lot of teep kicks. She throws a lot of push kicks. She's going to need to throw a real kick, like a real head kick that actually snaps Carla back. Um, it's going to be a long night if she just does the push ones, but like I said, uh, uh, she'll be an auto-pick for me for at least one more fight. Mike, we're going to have a, get a split here? It's always, disapp- it's always disappointing when your countrymen say something stupid stuff. Um, I think that anytime I hear a Dominican, usually ball player, say something stupid, I just hang my head in shame. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Carla as well. If I'm right, this is a sweep for, uh, for Esparza. And you just yeah. picked Michelle Watterson. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so it's going to be three to one on Esparza. And of course, it's going to be an uneventful decision. Outside of when she won the title against Rose, she hasn't finished anybody in any of her fights in the UFC. Is Michelle Watterson Filipino? She's Thai, but jungle Asians were all close enough. Okay, That's my bad. No, I didn't. I legitimately, I was just like, is she? I'm like, I don't know. She could be. I thought she was Filipino. <laughs> Um. All right. As my browser is frozen, someone tell me the next fight. That would be Araya Hall and Jacare Souza. All right. Um. All my shit is frozen. Someone tell me the betting odds of Araya Hall and Jacare Souza, and if somehow this has not happened before already, because it looks like it has. It's a coin flip. Um. We got Uriah Hall at plus one hundred five to uh, Jacare's minus one twenty. Okay. I don't think they've um, fought before. I feel it's been booked at least. I feel I've heard this matchup put out there more than once in my uh, in my MMA fandom. I don't know. Maybe it's just me and feeling that. Man, how Jacare's fucking old right now, Marcus, right? Like, are we really, at this point where we look at this betting odds, people are just like, I don't know. Jacare's pretty old. He might lose this, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he's had two really lackluster performances. And I think when you hear about his mental state as well, I think he said, you know, going into the Jack uh, Hermanson fight, or maybe he was even going to the Jan Blotzowicz fights. You know, he he had a point where he kind of mentally broke um, and had a bit of an issue that, you know, he went to see a therapist and they decided to move up weight would be the best decision for him. So that didn't work out when he fought uh, Jan um, and, and lost a tough fight there and now is moving back to middleweight. So I, I'm still going with Souza. Um, I think Uriah Hall can always present really dynamic uh, challenges on the feet. Um, I think... Uh, uh, Souza has fought in better competition and guys that also present some of those same challenges. Um, so I don't think he's going to be too afraid of what Uriah Hall is going to show him. But I, I, I do think, Bobby, the bigger question is his mental state, um, his age. Is it just the wear and tear of this career just finally catching up to this man? Because it definitely seems like he isn't competing at that same high level that he once was. Um, Uriah Hall is an interesting te- test for him. Uh, I think he should I think all you know a couple years ago, this is hands down an easy fight that he should win. Um, I still think he should win it, but if he doesn't, I think it says a lot about where he's at in his career. Um, yeah, Uriah Hall. Also, I don't want to say like he's made giant improvements, but at this point with Uriah Hall, I don't have the is Uriah Hall gonna just give up or is gonna just like take a nap in this one? You know what I mean? Um. Which did we win money when he fought? Uh, I forgot who he fought when he won. We won money, Mike. That he didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. But, but Tiago Santos. The... Oh, that happened at least once too. Um, Uriah Hall kind of is Uriah Hall at this point. He's beat just beat Anthony Carlos Jr. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Uh, Uriah Hall is always a tricky one to pick because, as we've talked about ad nauseum since he's uh, entered the UFC after his uh, prolific display at the. At the ultimate fighter he's a he's a frustrating one to pick because he has the skills to be a world beater but you know it's taken him a long time to put it together if you want to say he's even truly put it together based on what we saw originally and i don't want money off of him twice because i remember i if i'm right wasn't he the original plum pick when i picked him against uh musasi 
That might be it. it might, yeah, it was him. He was the original plum pick. Hmm. Is that the one he won with a fucking up kick? Is that that one? No, he didn't win that with an up kick. He won with a spinning heel kick that Gegard ducked into. That's yeah. what that was. That's he was right. going for the body, and Gegard was like ducking, and he got hit in the head. <laughs> Even so, I'm still going to pick Jacare on this one. Um, Jacare is old. Jacare has been in the game for a long time at this point, but Jacare still has phenomenal jujitsu. Stefan, this is an ugly clean sweep. Um, this is a this is a dirty clean sweep because I'm taking Jacare. Um, those two losses, I did watch them. Both those guys, Hermanson and um, Blockowitz, they're trending up, right? That was Hermanson having a career performance and kind of moving into the upper echelon. And meanwhile, Blockowitz is arguably a title contender at this point. You know, um, also the difference is both those guys put it on Jacare uh, and. If there's one thing we can never be certain about, Uri Hall is putting it on anyone. Um, and we can keep expecting things, but he's 35 himself, right? His best days are behind him. Like, he is who he is, and we can stop waiting for him to be a superstar. Because he isn't. He's streaky. He has physical capability, but it's always going to be incredibly like hit and miss with that guy. So um, you'll be wrong about him sometimes, but you'll never feel good about picking him either. So... Jacare just feels better, but it also feels dirty because he's old. He's old, and he looked he looked washed in his last couple fights. I'm gonna be and honest with you guys. My and just my pick for the person most likely to come out with Corona from all these fighters for me would be Uriah Hall because Fabricio is gonna give it to epicenter. He works out <laughs> in the epicenter of COVID in New York City, but he's gonna get it from Fabricio, not New York. <laughs> he's gonna come back with it. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I'll be honest with you guys. I was looking at this one saying, I know what it looks like when Uriah Hall wins this fight and how depressing it would be. And I was thinking about legitimately picking it, which isn't some sort of bold pick. It's a minus 120 to plus 100. It's a fucking pick But I had already picked the guy who hasn't fought in four years. I already fought coronavirus-ridden, apparently, Fabricio Verdum, who hasn't fought in two years. I'm being a little safer on this one. I'll take Jacare getting this one. Getting a hold of something, man. Just getting a hold of something. Choking Uriah Hall. I think it could happen. I would not stay standing with Uriah Hall from Jacare. And not that he's not capable of winning that way. It's just why would you fuck around? You know? Why would you? Um. So, so this just car- a quick, just one quick update, guys. Because we haven't done this in literally two months. Because when I looked at the It's I'm Amazing 2020 standings from our last set of picks it was as of 3 3 2020 so well did you apply the results from that card though i did okay so as of 5 3 2020 now um bobby and mark are coming in at a commanding 14 and 11 Mm. Oh, we're still not good at this all right that (laughs) that's that's what nothing has changed good all right Kid P is uh, 12 and 13, and I am bringing up the shitty rear at 11 and 14. Mike, have you just realized you're, we're not going to let you win this thing easily? So you're like, fuck it. I don't care anymore. <laughs> is that what it is? Dude, it's been too much. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so that's it, man. This card actually is a uh, it's stacked. Obviously, we've gone through it. There's some shit on the like, I mean, the opening fight is Ryan Spann and now Sam Alvey. And please don't watch that. It'll be a real bad fight. It'll be real bad. But we know those people. Bryce Mitchell um, and Charles Rosa. Vincente Luque, Nico Price. If you, if you're, if you have ESPN Plus and you're just star for MMA and you're looking at what time to start this thing, if you want to start it around that fight, I wouldn't blame you. Vincente Luque is a violent, violent man. That should be fairly entertaining. Um, and I don't know if we've gotten confirmation if this shit still costs 60 bucks, But it shouldn't. Just assume it would. I mean, just assuming, why would the UFC... I mean, this is card has been put together because Endeavor needs money. So... Yeah, um, I'm not going to forget about the money part. Yeah, maybe ESPN wants to take some of their uh, share down a little bit, but uh, UFC don't give a fuck. Um, This is it. The UFC is going to put on another card on Wednesday, apparently. Yeah, Um, that's turnaround for us. um, Yeah, it's going to be in the same... All these cards are at the Star Arena. All right, so for, if I start making jokes about not knowing what Vistar means, someone please remind me in a week. Um, that card is main evented by Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. Um, also got Ben Rothwell versus OSP because 
OSB was fighting. OSB's got was too big for light heavyweight. Apparently, was the problem, guys. That was the problem with OSP. Um, this and then we're gonna do if we're gonna do it again, folks, on Saturday. Um, headlined by uh Overeem and Walt Harris, which I'm pretty sure that was the fight we were supposed to get yeah. all this all that time back before the tragedy with Walt Harris's stepdaughter. Right? That was mm-hmm. um. That's when the Biggie Boy showed up. Is that what the replacement was? I think Probably. that might have been. Probably. Yeah. And my Mike uh, threw this card, th- pointed this out to me. On that card is Claudia Gadelia and Angela Hill. That's, yeah, that's good. Uh, that's going to be a real test, though. Shit, uh, for Angela Hill. That's that's real trial by fire shit right there. About seeing how much he's really improved. Anyway, um, yeah, folks, we're back to we're gonna if they put on fight cards, you know us. We're gonna make picks at least to the fights that we want to make picks for and. Those ones I just mentioned are definitely be ones we're going to be we're going to be picking. So um, we're back to talking about MMA, and only half the podcast is going to be us just rambling about random shit we like. Um, and here it is: the return of stuff we like, a full ep- a full edition of stuff we like. I'm going to lead this off because me and Mike, uh, we're going to have to talk some civilization, folks. Um, civilization. How, market, do you, how do you market. know I was going to talk about civilization? Well, I'm going to talk about civilization. Well, I, I was help. going to. I was going to. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what do you mean? I've talked to you every day during this thing. That's what we're doing. Um, Marcus, can you describe what kind of game civilization is, like the genre? Because I'm bad at that. Oh, stuff. Oh, I mean, you're you're the fuckers that play it, not yeah, me. I don't know, it's like <laughs> turn turn based. I don't I don't got yeah, the terminology. I mean, it's, it's from what I can tell from the one time I played it, it's a turn based strategy game. Uh, yeah. Well, you guys are basically taking over little continents, right? And you manifest power and stuff. I don't. I exactly. played it once. It didn't click with me. So, yeah. So uh, Mike and I have been playing Civilization. Um, basically, yeah. Mark described a turn-based strategy game. You start in the uh, what are we starting in? The Dark Ages. I'm not sure what the Dark Ages are, but it starts in 4000 BC. 4000 BC is where you start. You pick a civilization. Um, really, it, you, the civilization you pick isn't going to decide where you are. The Earth can look like whatever you want it to look, but you just slowly take your civilization from 4000 BC through current day in the future, developing and, you know, military, education, yada, yada, yada. It's a game that can take a very long time, and Mike's and I's game is probably, what are we, 10 hours into this thing, probably? Yeah, it can take a super long time. The first day that we actually fired it up and started playing, we played a game with you, Drew, and myself for maybe about two, two and a half hours before I think Drew either had to go to work or actually attend to boyfriend duties. And yep. then me and you played until about four thirty in the morning my time. So yeah. that was impressive. I kept waiting for you to like be like pull the plug on this because I'm like shit. I will go to sleep well, now. I don't know. <laughs> that's the problem. Well, I say it's a problem, but that's the beautiful part about civilization because there's a lot of times where one of us will declare, "All right, um, in like five minutes," and then something will happen in the five minutes where it's like, "All right, well, well let's just finish." researching this technology and then we'll end it there and then one of us will start a world war and it's like well we can't leave this halfway we got to wait until you know we finish we finish off uh you know sedan you know like we got it we got to take that territory and then something else will happen after that and then sure enough it's been two hours since you said all right five more minutes yeah um by the way folks um there's a reason our group chat for civ 5 is called civ 5 nerds all right by the way, Mike and I are real cheap. We're playing Civilization Five. They are on Civilization Six. Um, Mike and I also made the mistake of buying Civilization Six and realizing you cannot play that shit online together on yeah. Nintendo Switch. It, it, it's not that we're being cheap that we're playing Civ Five. It's that Civilization Six, for some godforsaken reason, thought it was a good idea to not have internet multiplayer capability in the Nintendo Switch version. And quite frankly, we are not buying the same game again. At full price, like that. Um, yeah, I've been playing the shit out of that game with Mike. That's that's what I've been doing. And between that, I've been watching Frasier, which is on Hulu. So I got a Hulu trial going so I can watch Frasier. Um, and I've been watching Batman the Animated Series. Um, I'm looking for a new show. Maybe this stuff we like will be where the guys will uh, give me something else to watch. But yeah, I need a new show. Uh, Mike, you got anything else you want to talk about? Since I'm already, you're already talking. Yeah, um, I binge watched this show this weekend. Um, I was talking with uh, Bobby about it yesterday. Uh, it's the Catherine Hahn miniseries that's on HBO, Mrs. Fletcher. Literally watched it because we're on about day 60 of this lockdown and 
I was starting to run out of new things to watch so i decided to just give it a shot and it it was pleasant um it's basically about this uh 40 something year old lady who single mom and her son finally leaves the house to, to go to college and it's basically her you know finding her sexual awakening you know in in her 40s it's a good show only seven episodes as well 25 minutes long Right on. Um, um, so I'll go what next. You got this week, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I'll go next because uh, the way you and uh, Mike, your kind of interest kind of blended in. I think uh, things I'll talk about um, kind of blend in for me and Mark. Um, shout outs to um, our champion TV show, Parks and Rec, who came back and did um, basically a reunion special via Zoom video conference format. Um, and I thought it was really great. It was just really nice to visit all those characters again. Again, our champion TV show. So. Um, put some respect on Parks and Rec. Raised about $3 million, um, for COVID research, so um, definitely had a good cause in it. But the two things I wanted to talk about, which uh, I think have consumed a lot of uh, Mark and myself, um, you know, we mentioned it, but uh, the past week we both uh, also beat it, um, so we got to, we're in that spoiler territory, we're in that uh, whole ending breakdown kind of mode now, but Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake, that video game, easy game of the year. Um, easy game of the last few years for me. Like, um, it had a it had a lofty hill with all the nostalgia of our original PlayStation generation childhoods. Um, but it's everything I wanted and more. Um, and on top of that, a TV show to recommend to y'all. Um, you know, uh, I binged through all of it. It just had its uh, first season conclusion. Um, I had a lot of. I came in with a very skeptical eye to this one. I had a lot of hesitation. Um, but for a man who I was like a true literal day one fan of, um, Lil Dicky's FXX show, Dave, it just, con it concluded on a motherfucking high. Um, I was really unsure of how this show was going to go and you can see it, it has growing pains. It kind of progressively gets better over the course of the season. Um, and I was wondering how they were going to conclude that first season. Um, and in rapper terms, it's a mic drop of a moment. Um, and I loved it. Uh, Lil Dicky, I've, I've been really questionable about him. You know, I loved his early mixtape. It was really funny. I loved all his freestyles on Sway in the Morning and all those groups. He had legit talent. But um, he's he's kind of becoming a one-track joke with his commercial stuff. Um, and the jokes weren't landing so well for me. His song, his Earth song, horrible. <laughs> it was it was terrible to me. Um, so, again, I was kind of wondering, is, like, is this him grasping for life or is this the start of a really new chapter? And um, I'm happy to say it's like best might yet to become uh, the best might yet to become from this guy. So um, cool to see that. Right on. Um, I just the part where you said Mark and you beat a, like Mark. Did you beat Final Fantasy? Yeah. I mean, are you beating a game makes me very happy. I know a lot of times that's you how just good it was. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mark had to beat it. He couldn't just I'm, put it away. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, goddamn. Like, oh, part of it might be because Mark's home far more. But anyway, Marcus, I know you got some stuff. It's stuff we like. This is, you know, this is where you give us all that video game news that Stefan did just give us, I guess, the rest of it. Yeah, well, I mean, Stefan's absolutely right. You know, the big drop that kind of happened while we were doing the whole superhero thing was absolutely Final Fantasy VII Remake. Um, you know, a game that's been in conversation and rumored and, um, you know, dreamed about for so long finally came out. And I think... You know, for fans of the game that you were anticipating it the most, I think it just knocked it out of the park for those people. Um, you know, being amongst them, you know, when I think about how that, how it felt playing the remake, I the, where I kind of landed on was euphoric. It was a very euphoric feeling playing this game that, you know, like I mentioned previous episodes ago, the OG Final Fantasy VII is my favorite game of all time. Um, having a game reimagined, there can be a lot of, worry about how they're going to handle the characters and the franchise and all that stuff. And they really nailed it out of the park. Um, I think, like Stefan said, you know, even when this was kind of a pipe dream for a lot of fans, a lot of the fans were just thinking like, oh, just take the original game and just make it look this good. And I think what they've done is a step farther than that. I think the combat system, which is the biggest drastic change from the original, is a massive step in the right direction. I think it's fantastic. I think it's the best battle system that Square's done probably since the turn-based days. You know, they've been dipping their toe in kind of dealing with live action with Final Fantasy 15 and even going back to I think it was 12 with the gamuts they were kind of 
trying to do this thing where it's like, okay, it's not turn-based, but it's partly turn-based. And I think this, they really nailed that uh, combination really well. And I think fifth, Final Fantasy XV really helped them get to this point. Um, and then just story-wise, it just nails it. Um, there's a lot of issues with the original game with translation and having a lot of the beat and the characterizations come over accurately from the uh, Japanese uh, translation um, has been really tricky. And I think they really nailed it. I think the voice acting is fantastic. They've gone beyond world building for this game with all these NPCs with voiceovers, just building in a uh, flavor of the world. Um, but yeah, so I really enjoyed Final Fantasy VII uh, Remake. Uh, there are some issues with the game. It's not perfect. I do wonder how people that hadn't played the original when it came out and kind of had that impact of that game, how they're viewing this new game. I still think it's enjoyable on that front. Um, and it is a, a narrative-driven game, and those are the games that I enjoy the most and the ones I tend to beat because I'm driven along by what's going on. Uh, so it's been a real treat, and I've actually uh, beat it, and I've started another game over because I really just enjoyed uh, the, the roller co coaster ride that it is. Um, but there's also been a lot of other games I've been playing. Uh, it's been a very good time for video games. A while ago, Animal Crossing came out. That's a daily um, pickup and put an hour in and do a couple things every day. And a couple multiplayer games dropped. I've been enjoying uh, Predator Hunting Grounds. Uh, for me personally, it was a really fun weekend. I played a crap ton of it last weekend. And it's kind of wearing its, its welcome a little thin at this point, but I did enjoy the time I had. And I think that game is a the genre and the gameplay is a perfect match for that IP. And it's just the game is just not quite there. There's not quite enough there to keep you going for a long extended amount of time. Uh, but what recently came out was uh, Streets of Rage 4. Uh, there hasn't been a Streets of Rage game for like 15 years. Uh, and this is probably one of the best beat-em-ups I've played in a long time. Uh, this was co-developed by three different studios. One of the studios that made it, I can't remember their name, but they made the Wonder Boy remakes recently, and the art on those games has been fantastic 2D art style. Um, they're doing the art on this game, and then the guys actually developing the engine are, are from Guard Crush. And I actually knew about them. They had another indie side-scrolling game uh, that got a lot of positive buzz for the engine and how fun it was to play, but that game visually looked like pure garbage. So it's really nice that they found a team and a project that just fits well with what they're really good at. And Streets of Rage 4, I've gone through the arcade mode twice with Alex and Blaze so far, and I want to do it through all the characters. It is so fun. It is kind of the best things of the Marvel vs. Capcom type fighting games where you're just pulling off these amazing combos and it's really easy to do. So it's not super complicated to look like a complete badass, just pulling off really cool moves. And I like some of the mechanics they have, not just juggling the enemies with your hit combos, but also how in a lot of these 2D side-scrolling games, they always have a move uh, to attack opponents all around you when you get surrounded. Those moves consume health. What this game does, which I think is a really small tweak that just makes it so much more encouraging to use those moves, is that that health isn't permanently gone. It's temporarily gone. If you can hit the enemies before they actually hit you, you can regain that health. So that small mechanical twist on this genre that's been going on forever, I think has really changed the game because it makes, it makes the player more encouraged to use these kind of more dynamic, high-risk moves because they can regain the health that they would normally just lose using it. So yeah, a Streets of Rage 4, Predator... Final Fantasy VII Remake, there's a ton of other good ones that also came out. Uh, moving Out was a cool co-op moving out game, kind of like a cook... Uh, cook. Wait, what's that stupid cooking game we always play together? I'm totally... Overcooked. Overcooked, yes. Thank you, Bobby. Yeah, so there's been a lot of great games coming out, and there's still a couple more coming out in May that I'm actually looking forward to. So, you know, it sucks having to be inside all the time, but at least on that front, they've been kind of hitting a stride. So there's a lot of fun stuff to entertain you there. Um, and like uh, Stefan said, Dave has was a fantastic show. I was really enthralled with that. Um, and I guess, Bobby, do you know, is Brooklyn Nine-Nine done? I went to see another episode this week, and there wasn't one. I was like, was that it? It didn't seem like a season finale, uh, but... I didn't think it ended. Does that end? <laughs> I don't know. But I've been also enjoying that. Oh, and what Fair we do enough. in the shadows. Um, all right, folks. That's it. That was our show. Woo. Uh, well, thank Classic. you guys for joining us. Uh, yeah, throwback to how this podcast was every week. Um... We don't know what the future holds for any of this stuff, um, but um, if you were listening this time while we were gone um, to us just having fun with, you know, BSing about our favorite movies, our favorite snacks, our favorite TV shows, um, we really happy you did. And um, thanks to the guys here and, you know, Stefan put up a lot of effort into that bracket, so thanks for him to doing that. 
we're back now, and this is going to be our show. And, you know, for the five time being, if there's going to be MMA, we're going to cover and talk about MMA because, yeah. you know, even if the sport disappoints us and things happen, like talking to the guys about it makes us happy. It's kind of the it's fun. It's, that's kind of what we do. We like talking about the fights with each other. We like doing that sometimes more than the fights themselves. And yeah, we're going to be back next week. We're going to see if we got new champions. Well, we're going to, one of these is going to be a new champion because, well, is it? Tony was interim champion. Is he defending it? I don't know. Yeah. It might. Well, either with that, we're going to see if Dominic's the new champion. We're going to see if Henry defends. We're going to see if the biggie boy can prove us all wrong. You know, we're going to see if Jeremy Stevens got still got anything left in him. We see if Jacare does also. Um, but we're going to be back after that and we're going to talk about, you know, the couple of the fights from this Wednesday card and this Saturday card. And, uh, hope you guys all watch the pay per view or fuck. I mean, I'm not saying you have to pay for it. I just hope you see these fights somehow. So, um, appreciate you guys sticking with us and yeah, we're back. So thank you all. Um, I was Dr. Law. That was Kit Presentable. That was Lavender Grooms and that was DJ Mark. See y'all next week. Uh, peace out. See ya. Cheers.